So this is an interview between James Smith and Ellie Harrison. Ellie is um, the resident artist, or one of the resident artists at the Two Degrees Festival, which is taking place this week at Art Admin in London. Um, Ellie, I wanted to begin by asking you about the first work, which I, being a freelancer, I took part in myself, which was Workathon. Could you uh, just tell us a little bit about this project? Yeah, um, well, its full title was the Workathon for the Self-Employed, and the idea was to attempt to set a new world record for the most self-employed people working together in the same space at the same time over the course of a normal working day, so a nine-to-five. And it was kind of motivated by, obviously, my own circumstances. I've been self-employed artist since 2004 and have um, increasingly found myself working in an isolated environment and uh, feeling the um, negative side effects of that, I suppose. Uh, not feeling that you're part of a community, feeling that you're like labouring away or on, so, on some sort of absurd activity <laughs> that nobody would understand. And also like completely overworking. So I did a lot of research to mm. do with um, changes in labour over the last decade and a half um, with the birth of the new economy and um, the kind of internet internet boom, but also the push to develop the creative industries mm. as well, and how this sort of fostered a whole new um, swathe of creative entrepreneurs, mm. of which I suppose I reluctantly mm. fall into. Um, um. So yeah, it was a way of, of bringing these uh, loan workers together and just to see what would happen really. Mm. Sure. I mean, it was a, it was a sort of interesting um, experience for myself because, of course, I'm a creative worker, I guess you could say. And absolutely, there's sort of an interesting element where you're sort of bringing together these people, revealing this labour, um, which is usually hidden. And the first thing I thought when I walked in the room was, my goodness, how much does this feel like an office? And I kind of think, I think I hoped that it was going to be more social somehow because we have a shared experience. But of course, we're so, so dominated by the computer and this environment that actually everyone had their heads, headphones on, it was completely silent. I mean, what, what were your reflections um, on, the, on the project by the, by the end? Yeah, I mean, I guess I was surprised that it was, wasn't more social, although we did have enforced periods for social activity, like there was an enforced lunch hour where everybody had to leave and talk to each other outside. And then we had to knock off at five, as office workers normally would. Um, and then there was there wasn't enforced drinking in the pub, but there was optional <laughs> drinking in the pub afterwards. And that was really nice to talk to people about their experience of the day. But I guess I was really surprised and I suppose also impressed by people's like um, hard workingness or the, the just their focus on what they were doing. And I think that my main reflection on that would be would come down to the fact that these people I guess are passionate about what they do, but they're also working for themselves. So I guess it comes back to the idea of of being an entrepreneur or being self-employed and that it's your time you're wasting, I suppose. And maybe that's why guilt is so closely linked <laughs> to the <laughs> freelance lifestyle yeah. is that you know that if you're wasted tired like doing the dishes mm. when you should be 
doing something more important, mm. that it's your time you're wasting, and mm. it's not like the the time of your employee, mm-hmm. employer, yeah. Sure. Um, it's interesting because your early work was quite introspective. You did things like you recorded everything you ate for a year and a day. But this work is much more um, public and participatory. And what sort of inspired your interest in collective collective action or collective working? Well, um, I did a series of like long durational projects where I collected information about my everyday life. Um, and that happened from 2001, which is when I started the Eat 22 project, up to 2006. And it was obviously inspired by uh, some sort of obsessive side to my personality. Um, but it was a totally kind of unhealthy experience in a way. So I decided to just sort of formally or publicly quit that way of working and made a publication which is called Confessions of a Recovering Data Collector, which goes through the process of trying to retrain myself as an artist, so that to almost invert my um, sphere of interest, so that I'm no longer like looking at the, the minutiae of my own life, but I'm looking outwards at the world. And that was kind of accompanied by like a massive, uh, I guess, self um, a period of like self-education where I also like learn lots about politics and about what what generally what's kind of happening in society and just felt that once you kind of learn about those things that as an artist you you really should be addressing them in some way. Absolutely. Um... That, that leads into my next question, really. Um, some of your activities are actually quite specific political actions, such as your campaign to bring back British Rail. Um, do you think that art can kind of galvanise protest, or, or is it something that should be kept separate? I think there's like varying degrees for me, and especially with the activity that I've kind of been involved in over the last few years, like the Bring Back British Rail campaign, which I set up in 2009, what is, it's not an artwork, you know, I set it up at arm's length from my practice as an artist, um, because I believe that it would have more weight and more clout and more people would be able to engage with it if it wasn't an artwork. So um, I am aware that kind of, if you call something an artwork, it does sort of lose some of its power and its directness. But when I say varying degrees of of kind of the merge between political action and and art, something like the Workathon was, it does have strong political overtones in uniting these kind of atomized or isolated individuals um, but it's it's kind of fun and sort of mm-hmm. tongue in cheek at the same time like um so i think that i i like to mix things up a bit i mm-hmm. suppose um in terms of of projects that are more closely related to what i do as an artist that's an interesting point. Um, you do seem to use humour and satire quite a lot. Sorry, humour and satire in your work quite a lot. 
I was thinking on the way here, in some ways it has strengths and in some ways that those tactics have weaknesses. I was wondering if you could reflect on, on those for a moment. Yeah, I think that it has weaknesses in the sense that there is this sort of cult of seriousness in the contemporary art world mm. and that sometimes people, curators, gallerists are just impressed by something that takes itself far too mm. seriously. Sure. And I think that that, I mean, I see it all around me that mm. um, artists are getting exhibitions maybe because curators um, are impressed by the seriousness or the references, you know, the philosophical references or whatever that this artist happens to be referring to, even though the artwork might be a load of crap. So, <laughs> like... The cult of seriousness is something that I'm definitely like battling against, but at the same time, I always put myself in the position of what sort of work I want to see. And now I do like uh, work that addresses serious issues, mm. obviously, um, and I like work that can move me emotionally as well. But I do think that art, and this is what differentiates it from political action, is that it is a form of entertainment, and mm -hmm. I do always come back to that. That art, you know, is within the realm of film, literature, etc. We go to it in our free time, mm -hmm. you know, to entertain ourselves. So, with that in mind, and with wanting to sort of be able to engage people, and I think humour is a great tool for that, that I always want my things to have. To have a lightness to them, mm -hmm. even if they are dealing with, dealing with serious issues. Sure, absolutely. And um, you publicise a lot of your work and ideas on the internet. And what is it that you like about this medium so much? Well, I started using the internet fairly early on. I was I had a, an introduction to web design course when I was still a BA student in 2000 and registered my domain name that year so I've had the website for 11 years now um, but at that point and, and I have reflected on it a lot why I'm drawn back to the internet and why it's continued to be like the central focal point for my practice but I guess maybe it's becoming less so but it's a, at that point it was like uh, a totally kind of democratic medium in the well, if I wanted to get my work out there, I could connect directly with an audience without the say-so of a gallery or a curator. Mm -hmm. There was no middleman. There was no one, um, you know, no curatorial hand in deciding what information I could get out there. So that was really attractive. Um, so I did, and that also drew me to um, making work specifically for the internet. So the E22 project that you mentioned was a kind of, like pre-Flickr-esque pre, um, photo blog, I suppose, and that I updated it every single week throughout the year. So every Sunday evening I'd put new photos online and that it became this thing that people might follow, so they might tune mm. back in um, on a weekly basis to see the latest snapshots <laughs> of what I'd been eating. And of course this thing is now really familiar to us because it's happening all around us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, finally, I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about your final project or your next project for Two Degrees Festival. It's called Early Warning Signs. 
Yeah, the, the Early Morning Signs project um, is more closely linked to the theme of climate change, which is something that Two Degrees is attempting to address. Um, but I've, well, obviously climate change is a big concern, but over the last year or so I've been thinking more closely about the relationship between capitalism and climate change, and how this kind of, like, uh, irreconcilable, like, difference between um, the need for economic growth and the need for sustainability, like, it's almost, you know, mm. going to end in, in suicide, unfortunately. So I wanted to do something that sort of tried to deal with this um, incongruous relationship. So the signs that I've made, which are being displayed on Commercial Street throughout the festival, um, are based on the rotating signs that you get outside a garage or outside a fish and chip shop that you mo most familiarly well they're most familiar with the, uh, an MOT like, and they say MOT and they spin round in the wind so they're kind of marketing tools um, which are used to normally make us part with our cash, you know, they're to advertise things to us, to sell things to us. So I wanted to sort of turn that on its head and use these advertising tools to sell the idea of climate change. So the signs say climate on one side and change on the other, and that they're activated by the wind, so they're kind of weather-powered marketing tools. So it just seemed to kind of all make sense. and and. The specific thing I like about them is that the windier it is, so the worse the weather gets, the more they're desperate they become to grab mm. your attention. So, and actually the point at which it's very, very, very windy, they become quite dangerous and threatening objects mm -hmm. that could potentially <laughs> kill a small child or something, heaven forbid. Um, so the signs have been out on Commercial Street for the whole week. And now what I'm doing as part of my final uh, couple of days of the festival is linking this back to one of my concerns with being an artist because I constantly do feel guilty about coming back to being an artist rather than coming back to being a political activist. But one of the things that I've decided to do is to attempt to find homes for the signs so that they can continue to live on and to promote the idea of climate change or, or at least to make it register in passers-by's um, minds. So I'm now launching a little campaign to find homes for the signs and I hope there's four signs and I hope that, that I'll get quite positive response from this from arts organisations or campaign groups or community groups or whoever is interested in taking them. Um, and the conditions would be that they agree to publicly display them every day for at least a year. So they, um, yeah, so that's something I'm working on at the moment so that they can live on and don't become something that just either knocks around in my studio as a complete waste of space or something that's sold that mm. just bypasses the commercial system. Sure, and they, they continue to have a sort of life as their sort of their modus operandi, they sort of their, their notes of sort of activism, their invitation to change, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, that seems a good place to um, kind of draw it to a close, but thank you so much for talking to me. That's okay.